Hey, it's Aidan here. Just before we get into today's episode, I wanted to let you know about something new. It's called the Magician's Business Group. We've just opened up a Facebook group designed to help you guys as entertainers grow and improve your entertainment business. So if that is you, if you are an entertainer that wants help growing and improving your entertainment business, just head over to thesuccessfulmentalist.com forward slash group and the magic of the internet will take you right there. Or if you're like me, have the Facebook app on your phone, open it up and search for the Magician's Business Group and you'll go straight there. Anyways, back to the episode. You know, Aidan, when you think about it, what we do in our entertainment businesses, well, we're responsible for everything, like the admin, the performing, but also actually booking the gigs, actually getting the gigs, booking the shows, getting people to buy your tickets to the shows, or maybe selling a course or selling a book to the magic community, whatever that is. But there's one word I mentioned there, selling. You know, if you want to get more gigs, if you want to do more gigs, if you want to do more stuff and reach more people, and as you'll learn in this podcast today, maybe even in turn be a better performer, a better communicator, a better negotiator, then you've got to learn the art of selling. You've got to learn how to sell. It's it's something which is so needed. And it's actually a skill which, as you guys are going to hear in a minute, is one which not a lot of people know how to do right. And first of all, if this is the first time of you listening to our awesome podcast, my name's Ashley Green. I'm joined by the amazing co-host that is Aiden O'Sullivan. We are the Successful Mentalist Podcast. And if you enjoy the podcast we're putting out, do remember, subscribe, leave a review, all that jazz. But Aiden, fill us in. Who is the incredible guest we've got on the podcast today? Well, you said something there. It's all about selling. It's selling with love, which is the most important thing, as you guessed by the title of today's episode. But we're with none other than the incredible Jason Mark Campbell. Now, we've known Jason for quite a while now. We found him through the Mind Valley platform, and he's the host of the Superhumans at Work podcast which is one of the best podcasts that uh, I listen to people that know and talk to me know that I only listen to a few podcasts and Jason's one is uh, one of those so by all means go and have a look there but Jason is uh, incredible when I first spoke to him about sales uh, it blew my mind it gave me a new way of thinking and for those already wondering like oh what is sales oh this that and the other Jason gives such a beautiful description of this and explains how selling isn't just trying to close a close a deal. It is much more than that. It's every second as a performer. And again, it's it's really incredible. Uh, by the way, Jason's a Spartan. Um, fun fact, if that doesn't sell you, but we're going to jump straight into the episode. Uh, Jason does mention a cheat sheet that you can uh, ping him a message on Instagram. So if you go over to at Jason Mark Campbell, just tell him the TSM boys sent you and he'll be able to send you the cheat sheet for the Selling With Love process that he outlines in this podcast. But with that said, let's get straight into the episode. Hello and welcome to another very, very special episode of the Successful Mentalist podcast. Today is an episode that again, both myself and Ashley have been looking forward to for quite a while now. And today's guest is not actually a magician. And we had Eric Edmeads on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, and you guys loved what Eric had to say. And we knew that there was much more potential in this podcast by bringing thought leaders and people actually from all different areas and walks of life. So today we have the host of the Superhumans at Work podcast. If you're not listening to that podcast as well, go over and subscribe to them now. But honestly, Jason, it's great to have you on board. I don't want to do the full shebang, shebang, shebang thing because I just want people to find out who you actually are as we talk today. So thanks for coming. Well, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you, Aiden and Ashley. And uh, I'm excited to have this conversation. So what I, what I particularly love, again, we're going to talk a, a lot about sales today because that's really your 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 background, your your real passion in this sense. So maybe to, to just get started, why sales? What is sales? What does that actually look like for you? Yeah, so, you know, sales can mean very different things depending on what experiences people have had with sales in the past. Um, I'd say majority of people may have more negative type of memories when it comes to sales. So, and even if you look at the media, I mean, you, you could probably name a few movies from the top of your head that would re kind of the caveat salesperson definition, more recent ones being like the Wolf of Wall Street, a little older generation might remember just Wall Street as a title. Um, and we have these stereotypical ideas of what a salesperson should be and what type of interactions we typically have with them. 
interestingly enough, when the internet came out in the late 90s, beginning 2000s, people had a dream and they were getting so excited because once the internet came, that meant the death of the salesperson. Information was going to be available everywhere and we would no longer need these annoying people in a, in a suit coming to knock at your door with a cheesy smile. And we, we had that stereotypical salesperson idea in our mind and we were hoping things would change. And quite frankly, yes, things have changed, but yet the salesperson has evolved. Not that they were never there in this fashion before, but the demands of what a good salesperson was becoming more transparent. And so when you ask for me, you know, what is sales? What is a salesperson? I feel that at the fundament, uh, at the fundamental here, every conversation you have, every interaction between conscious beings is a sales interaction. Uh, in my book that I'm writing about selling with love, I say that selling is nothing more but an energy exchange between conscious beings. And so whenever you're going out and I, I think I've, I, you're mentioning magicians a lot are going to be involved in this podcast. So if you're out there just approaching someone saying, hey, would you like to see a magic trick? That is already a sales request. So you're making an offer and people need to accept there was an energy. And the intent that you have between every time you make that exchange makes a big difference on how you feel, how the person you're interacting with feels and how beneficial that interaction is going to be for both parties. So what you're really saying there is basically it's a skill which everyone needs because obviously you get some people that go through life and think, oh, I don't need to sell. I'm really good at marketing. Mm. I, I don't need sales. But what you're now saying <laughs> is it goes beyond just trying to push and make money. It's actually a way of communicating, and like you say, exchanging energy and thoughts. 100%. And I mean, there's, there's an amazing author. His name is Daniel Pink. He wrote a book called To Sell is Human. And again, he's trying to humanize the aspect of sales and realize that it shouldn't be this, this shadow element that we push back in the cupboard. You know, they made a lot of studies about how the nurses or the doctors who were able to communicate better on what exactly was happening to their patients, there was a sales process, there was an expectation setting, there was a communication that would change the reaction of who they interacted with based on the intentions and the processes that they would use to communicate effectively. Now, anybody who rejects sales entirely will be limited in a lot of things in life. Let's use a few examples for people who might be listening. Um, whether you want to get a promotion at work, what's the skill that allows you to get it? Sales. A communication needs to happen with somebody who might be responsible for your current salary or potential promotion, and you need to sell yourself to be able to get that promotion. Okay, so even if you're an employee, you can't get around it. But what about something a little outside the workplaces? What if you want a life partner? Well, if you want to be able to meet someone incredible, you're going to need to sell. You're going to need to have a conversation with these people. You're going to want to demonstrate value. You're going to want to possibly close whatever a close looks for you. I'll let you interpret what that objective is. But another thing that I would say is that a lot of people think, oh yeah, it's like a sales process to try to find a partner, but it's even more a salesperson, a sales process to keep a partner. And so I would say we're very limited in the ways that we use sales right now. And then when you start expanding the ways that it applies in everyday life, you realize that, oh, it is in fact very human. We use it every day. I shouldn't have to have major blocks against it because it's holding myself back. And most of the time, the reasons we have these blocks is because of events that have happened in our life in the past that now we're using that as something that holds our own lives back. And once you get clear on that and you pass through that, you can see you start asking more for what you want and being more authentic in the process. I absolutely love that. And I think that's really, really solidified to everyone listening right now how important sales is. And, and like you said, within your life and every single thing that you do. And just to kind of dial it back for the people that might be listening to this and thinking, okay, Jason, you've blown my mind. I have been opened. I now know that this is really important. I should be learning this. Where do I start? I, I, I don't mm. feel confident with sales and approaching people. What, what would you say to those people? Where should they start? Where should they start by getting a better understanding? Obviously, we know the first one is probably reach out, follow you on Instagram and uh, maybe keep an eye out for something which might be coming up in the near future. We know that's going to be one. But what else? There's nothing you can do but buy my course that's on sale now for just $1,500 or pounds, whoever you're listening for now. Um, the first step in any transformation, anything you want to develop, the first is an awareness of where you are, okay? Um, in my book, I actually line out that there's four different levels of emotions that you can sell from, okay? And the one that most people who reject sales will recognize this one, I call them SGBs, and they're called shame, guilt, blockages, okay? When you operate from that, here's a couple of things that might happen. If you need to be in a sales interaction or you need to go talk to someone to ask for what you want, you dread that conversation. You feel like it's going to suck away your entire soul energy. If you 
if you see a salesperson in a store, you evade them like the plague. If you're being asked to sell something, there's really a crunching that happens in your stomach. And you're like, I really don't want to do this. You will do every other task on your task list, except to go write that email or send that phone call or text message that's necessary for you to move the business forward or to be able to get what you want when it's in the workplace. These blockages are big and they hold us back. And if you're operating from this place, it's, it's really a shame because you might even just be very apathetic about sales. You might be outright afraid of sales. And there's a few uh, panaceas I might suggest, or at least ways for people to kind of work through that initial stage, because this one really grinds you to a halt. The responsibility or perceived responsibility that comes with a sale paralyzes you. And so a couple sources we can maybe investigate and see where maybe some of you might lie. Number one is obviously the childhood. Anybody who's done any kind of personal growth understands that during our childhood, so many things get imprinted on us that we need to kind of look back and see what's going on. But the sales one becomes a bit more obvious. And, you know, I would ask anybody who's listening, what is one of the major first purchases that you've made in your life? Was it a positive experience? Was it a negative experience? And as you think about that, I might throw the, the ball to you, gentlemen, which is, um, what is your stereotypical image of a salesperson? What is he selling? Well, I'm sitting here thinking, I'm, I'm thinking car salesman, because that's, that was my All first, right. little, my first personal experience. It was Aiden, I'm, I'm going to pick on you. Well, Ashley, what about you? I'm sorry, thinking what I used to be. I used to be an estate agent. Now, everyone hates estate agents. People selling houses, they hate them. And I would go to work every single day and people would be like, oh, oh. Do you drive a do you drive a fancy car? Do you drive this? Are you gonna you're gonna try and unethically sell me a house? And I'm like, oh no, no. So <laughs> when you say that, I'm thinking, oh God, I think of myself. <laughs> uh, I've been there. Well, I'll I'll tell you a story after a, a little chat here, Ashley, is I've also worked in estate sales. So, but also I've had someone that I called 27 times, which most people would think I need a restraining order, but I'll tell you how much that person loved me when we were done. Uh, but Aiden, I wanted to pick on you because that example, the car, new car or used car? It was used car. Used car. Okay. Used car salesman. There's two, th you already revealed a bit of the punchline because two things happen here. The first memory you had is used car salesman. The first big purchase you made was a used car. Now question is, if you are a used car salesman, are you the number one salesperson in the world to find yourself selling used car? No. Would that be, if you, if you were the best salesperson in the world, would you go, well, guess what? Since I'm the best in the world, what I'm going to go sell is used cars. I'll, I'll, I'll be honest. No, no, you'll probably be selling maybe B2B. Uh, you might be doing large contract. You might be doing high stakes negotiations. Maybe you lead a company at this point because you're an amazing salesperson. And we're going to get to that in a bit because the best salespeople in the world are some of the most recognizable faces in, in media. And so, but the first interaction we have with a salesperson is that used car salesman, which, you know, I, I will give, you know, first off, if you are a used car salesman, I, I congratulate you because you have the biggest grind. You have a lot of preconceptions you have to fight against. And I know you're out there doing your best. And a lot of us on the buyer side sometimes forget that that's what the seller is trying to do. They're trying to do their best. Well, guess what? They might not be the most skillful, caring person for the transactions that come in. Young people doing their first purchase, you learn a few scripts. They're put, trying to put money on the table. They're trying to feed their families. You're probably not at a level of abundance that you can really start caring. And that might be by default. That might be by choice. Most of the times it's just by you know a subject of their environment. So now poor Aiden goes to have his first car purchase with someone who probably doesn't care that much aside from making the transaction be complete, learns a few of the technique, probably not doing them that great. And guess what? You had a negative experience. And now here's the problem. Whenever someone who has had a similar experience as you, which I know so many have, if you're finding yourself in a sales scenario today, and you're trying to step into your inner salesperson, you're stepping into becoming that salesperson who sold you that car. And you're thinking, oh my God, I'm that slimy salesperson. So when I have to sell, I need to become that. And I hate being that because I don't want to be like him or her. Is this making sense? This is making complete sense. Uh, there was a, bit, a big element of it. It was, a, it, it was an element of confusion as well. Uh, the, as, a, as a buyer, I, I was confused because I'm not a huge car guy in this case i didn't know everything because if i did at the end of the day i'd know exactly what i was after so it was very much it felt information overload and 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 genuinely when i i'm at the point of trying to sell myself i do sometimes feel myself getting confused uh in in the mm. sense of like i'm 
am I confusing myself? Am I confusing the buyer? It, it, so I, I can definitely notice these, uh, these patterns. It's awesome. So, um, listen, you're not alone and there's a lot of ways to break through, but now you have that awareness. And you know, what I talk about here is, you know, uh, role model, the power of role models. There's, there's a lady I interviewed a few days ago, which talked about mirror neurons. She wrote a book called mirror thinking. And in the process, she talked about the power of role models is so much more powerful than we ever thought. And if your role model about a salesperson is all these negative sales experiences you've had, and here's, here's a bias that we have, we're more alert to danger than the happy moment. So any negative sales experience will stay in your mind much more than any good one. We kind of brush off the good ones, but the bad ones, we remember, we tell it to our friends and we confirm the biases we have against sales. So now you have all of this working against you and you step into that identity when you're a salesperson, what if we pick better role models? And this is where I want to call it out. Maybe for you, Ashley, to kick this off, which is, um, Tell me some of the people you look up to the most in the world. Famous, I don't know what's industry, best magician possibly. Tell me. It's a big question. Jason Mark Campbell. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, no, it is the, the people that I look up to in the world are the people who are like, like you said earlier, always in the media. Like you've got in Magic World, Darren Brown. Darren Brown is Darren a big Brown. one. Everyone knows him. You've got David big, Copperfield, David Copperfield, everyone knows. And especially those in the magic world, because you look at them and you think, oh my gosh, they're everywhere. And you think, and especially when you're younger, when you're a younger kid, you're like, I want to be like them. I want to be like them. They're really cool. And you're always looking up to that. I would be, I mean, I'm not very close to the magician world, but I would be very, very um, confident in stating that the best magicians in the world are also excellent salespeople. Because to put yourself out there, to go and find people, do those videos, they create the marketing, they go out there and they take chances, they test, they, they do all the same things as somebody does in a sales process. What is a sales process? There's leads, you approach them, some are cold, some are warm. If you're in an audience and people came to see you, they're warm. So as a magician, I'm seeing that be warm leads in front of you. If you're walking down the streets and you say, hey, do you want to see a magic trick? And people says, no, don't waste my time, F off. Is that a personal rejection? Well, if you're a salesperson, you have to realize, well, sorry, it wasn't the right time. As a magician, if you let that you know, bog you down, you realize it's not about you, it's about them and you have to let it go. And then you repeat and you repeat and you go through many people. So it's exactly like a sales process. And so isn't it a coincidence that the best magicians find themselves being just like the best salespeople? It's a clue, right? But what I love about doing this exercise is this. If you can understand that if you wanna be, you have to be in a sales scenario, and you want to channel your inner salesperson, you're not the used car salesman, you're David Copperfield, you're Darren Brown. And when you can step into that ethos, you can realize that I don't need to be back into myself where I'm resisting being a salesperson because I really don't like being like that used car salesman. I can be my grandiose David Copperfield. How would he approach this sales interaction? How would he blow people's minds as he does these, uh, these tricks and, and really uses charisma and communication and selling? I mean, isn't magic all about selling people into the belief of what's happening is magic? And so I would really want to push on this one to get over these shame, guilt blockages, pick the identities when you need to be specifically doing sales, realize that the people you admire the most are also salespeople. And that's the people you should be modeling, not the ones that you feel had a negative experience with you. And yes, I'm sure Aiden, whatever experience happened with that used car salesman was bad and you know, it, you didn't deserve it neither. Um, but that other person was trying their best and you are the one that probably needs to let that go because it's holding you back. And for everybody else listening, same. If you are holding on to a negative sales experience, that salesperson has moved on. They're trying their best and doing something different, but you're still holding on. And the only person that's holding back is you. So I think that's the biggest thing that I would want to leave for people that have these shame, guilt blockages. I could move up to the next level of emotion unless you guys have any questions about this one. I suppose the real... The real thing is obviously it's it's there it's it is a reflection task but my real question then is uh, and i'm sure this is where we're actually going with things it is this divide between our ourselves and the sales process it, there, there should because mm. you mentioned something there is in terms of it, it becomes like we get uh, that rejection from this offer to say hey do you want to see this uh, magic do you want to see a card trick or whatever the case is we then take that personally. Is that something that we should just split apart and, and just realize that this is just part of the process? 
Yeah, there's there's something you you just can't take personally, and I think right there it's it's not a it's the fear of rejection, right? I mean that's really built into our human psyche, and you know that kind of brings me to Ashley's situation being an estate broker. I my first job was not even to go show houses, wasn't even to do listings. I only had to work on the phones. I would take every lead coming in. I would get on the phones with them and try to book them an appointment in the office or get the realtor to go to their home to do a home evaluation. All I had to do was read a script and I had to make hundreds of calls a day. 90% of them didn't pick up. Out of the 10 that I would actually have them pick up, I might book one or two appointments. Others I had to call back later. Some of them I had to leave a voicemail, but there was a, a a sense of growing up and desensitization that happened through repetition. Um, I think if you are going into a room, there's only one person in that room and you go up to them and you say, I would like to show you a magic trick. Would like to see it. They say, no, you're like, oh, that's not fun. There's no one else. I'm screwed. And then you're like, you're feeling a panic. But then if you're going out in the streets and you're like, this person says, no, well, there's 20,000 other people on these streets maybe someone can say yes. And again, like you can't think that if someone says no to you, it has to do with you. And it, it's a complete rejection of your character as a human being is like, they've said no to you. You should go crawl in a cave. You're done for Like none of that. Like that's how our mind thinks, right? Because, you know, if you think back in ancient time and the caveman times, if you were rejected from the tribe, you'd be alone and you'd die here. Well, basically you can just go back to your phone and scroll up some social media, feel better in about a minute. Um, but not that it's the healthy way to do it, but it's still what you would probably end up doing. Um, so when you ask that question about, you know, separating the self from the spot, are we supposed to numb ourselves? No, is you, you realize that through repetition, it's just always opportunities to improve. And any rejection is not a personal attack. It's just somebody's too busy. You know, imagine if the person that says no to here, you're like, oh my God, I can't believe they rejected me. Maybe they're running to the hospital to see someone that got injured in a car accident. Like it has nothing to do with you, but you can always learn. And through the process of repetition, when I was doing the phone sales, I had a script. And then I was like, okay, I find out what works. And I, I think as a magician, you're going to see certain lines are going to be good for you to open people up as opposed to others. Because maybe saying, hey, do you want to see some magic? People go like, no, not really. Maybe there's something else to be like, hey, um, I, you know, maybe you notice something on them. Maybe there's different ways that you can approach people that you notice, hey, when I use these lines, it's a bit more effective. And you can have fun with that. And I think that's really one of the loves I talk about selling, which is loving the process of selling, is you realize it's a game of statistics. It's it's math and it's great. And like, yeah, some people say no. Some people say yes. Cherish the yes, see how it works. And it's all fun. So I hope that answers your question. Most certainly does. Most certainly does. Awesome. Um, well, I, I would love to open up on the second element because I talk about four emotions, right? And I know I ramble a bit. So if you guys want me to go faster, you let me know, okay? Um, whenever you've kind of identified shame, guilt blockages, okay, you kind of step into the second one. Now, I don't think this is going to be as much for magicians, but definitely something that salespeople find themselves at. I call it the fear pride paradox or FPPs. And the fear pride paradox is when you start learning these techniques we were talking about. You're like, oh, if I use this technique, then people are going to say yes. And then you just focus on the techniques. But this will be an example of someone that basically, let's say you're working for a house and you're doing, uh, you're doing magic trick and you want to invite people into this, uh, this like I, I'm trying to think of what's the name of this place I've been to in LA. It was a house filled with magicians that were doing card tricks. It was fascinating. Um, and I don't know if this is a, something you're aware of. It's a house of magicians is... Is it a is it brand? The Magic Castle? Was, was it that, is the Magic Castle. There we, there we go. So I went to the Magic Castle and this was fascinating. So my friend was a magician. I just interviewed him on my show. Um, and we basically, he invites me over to that. I'm like, wow. So he's like, bring, I'll bring you. You'll be my guest. This will be great. We go into this house. It was amazing. The tricks I'd seen, like unbelievable. And there were new magicians. There were old veteran magicians. They're all doing amazing tricks, slides of hands, all that stuff. And I'm like, this was an amazing experience. I was so glad that he dragged me there. Now, I want to think for a magician here. Imagine you learn all the tricks, you know, how do you approach somebody on the street just saying, like, hey, let's see a little bit of magic. And then they get interested and they'd be like, come to this magic castle. It costs them a hundred dollars or hundred pounds. Let's throw a number. And then you sell them into going into the house. And then they come to the magic castle. And when they get there, all the tricks are boring, terrible crap, but you don't care because your target is just to get as many people through that door. Now, 
I call this the fear pride paradox, because typically when you're at this point, you're trying to learn these techniques and you're realizing the more techniques I learn, the better I get to the result, but you don't care about taking responsibility for what that result brings to the people you sold to. This is where you're going to bring in your wolf of wall streets. You're going to bring in those sleazy salespeople that really just know how to talk, or you'll say they have the gift of the gab, I believe in England. Um, and then at the same time, they sell you the crappiest products and they don't care. Rinse, repeat. The reason it's a sales, it's a fear pride paradox is because what is at the root of it is fear and lacking. It's not coming from a place of abundance. It comes from a place of needing to validate oneself. One must sell more. And I say pride because you start getting cocky about it and you start thinking that you're the magic when really the trick and the enlightenment of your person you're delighting is the magic. But now you start thinking you're the magic and you get lost in this world. The problem, which is a weird problem, is that people that are at this mindset are effective at selling because they don't care. You know, it's like ignorance is bliss type of level. And it's like, you, you just, you go, you don't care. And then it makes you be able to use techniques to appear confident, but at the root, there's something that's off. And there's a slight consequence that happens from people who operate from there. And you'll notice it. If I just start thinking about people that are in this level, in this industry, salespeople, Wall Street, you know, hardcore sales, always selling, never caring. There's a sense of disconnect and you'll see a, a, an array of addiction issues that seem to follow these people, whether that's alcohol, drugs, sex, gambling. There seems to be things off. It seems like there are mechanisms of numbing to the reality of every transaction they make. A part of the soul goes and you want to numb yourself to that reality and that's a dangerous place to be. And I'll be quite honest. I think for the people mostly listening here might not be at that place, but they definitely recognize the people that are like that. Is this making sense? Totally. It's, it's surprisingly prominent um, in the industry as well. Just so for, for your perspective, there is a lot of times that, that you mentioned that, that, that ego hit of I am the magic that it happens so much, but in that negative way, in that, that, that way of, Oh, look at me, I'm the best. And there is this kind of, underlying mindset through, that we've noticed throughout the industry and as magicians it's we're all trying to be the best which naturally is great that's usually a thing of peak performance like let's try and be the best that we can but there's this kind of belief that if we're the best we then become the only that we then become mm. houdini the only magician that mm. we can remember from this specific time period or the one that goes down in history and and, and the world isn't like that so it's kind of done as this self-obsessed ego style thing and and I, I would believe that most magicians who find themselves at this place might not be performing their art of magic anymore they might start repeating the same tricks and then realize that hey now people are not caring as much because they're seeing it's the same trick all over again and you start realizing that hey like all of this is magic all of this is a show nothing's real and then there's a self-disconnect with your own identity that you feel is so pumped up and so grandiose and realizing that hey this is just a set of processes technique magic Where's the substance? Where's the foundation behind me? Um, which is a whole other category, which is actually the last love and selling that I speak about, which is loving of the self. Like this is going to be the root at everything that we do, but that self-love becomes very fragmented and disconnected because it's all a persona. It's not the real you. It's the magic that you've created. And now there's a big sense of disconnect. And again, the, the psyche has some issues with that. And, you know, if you are someone that's trying to do good in the world and do the best and you have a sense of humbleness and you want to grow, uh, there's a problem. And, and the problem is that you outgrow this phase and you try to be more rational and you try to collect more information. You're trying to be more transparent, trying to be more good. And you're trying to care more. You're trying to take more responsibility than those a-holes who don't care, right? And this is really funny because I, I think of what exactly you were saying, Aiden, when you said you share too much information whenever you're in a sales process and you kind of, you, you might find yourself talking a lot. Is this still an accurate statement? It is. Okay. And this is a very interesting point because most of the people that have their heart in the right place that are trying to do sales from the right place um, will find themselves in this level, which I call the rational sabotage. Okay. And the rational sabotage is that you start being in a sales process and you start regurgitating so much information thinking that this is the best way to show care. 
But here's the caveat, and this might hurt a little bit, but I promise there's a, there's a, a, a rainbow at the end of this conversation is when you start blurting a lot of different information to the people, it's not that you're trying to show care and responsibility is you're trying to give that care and responsibility to the buyer. You're not taking responsibility. You're trying to give all the information so that if they make the decision, it's on them. It wasn't you. Okay. Now. You make yourself a martyr because guess what? Sales aren't good when that happens because a buyer is like, I don't want the responsibility. I came to you to be dazzled, to be, you know, to be enlightened. And here there's too much information. It's too complicated. I need to think too much. I wanted to have a beautiful purchase experience and being overwhelmed with information, similarly to your first car purchase is not fun. It's they, they didn't care about who you were. They just dumped all that information. And let's use the used car example, because I think it's tangible for people. Imagine you walk in, you want your first car and your biggest concern is I want it to feel like a nice car that smells nice, that drives me to A to Z and nothing's wrong with it. And then the person comes to you and be like, so here's the thing about this car. It's got four cylinders. Now, each of these cylinders have these many spark plugs. And in these spark plugs, they're really designed with this titanium alloy. And you like, they're just blurting around and they tell you everything that you have no connections with. And the reason they do that is because again, they don't want to take responsibility because if they did take responsibility, they'd have a better idea of who you are and what's important to you. And they'd be asking questions. Is this making sense? This is indeed. Oh. All right. Hey there guys, it's Aiden here from the Successful Mentalist podcast, just interrupting for a quick second to say thanks for listening. Now, of course, if you have just got a few moments, bring out your phones, whack the, the little subscribe button on. Um, yep, you know, the one that says subscribe, just press that button. And again, you're going to get updates from every time that we drop a new episode, you'll get those notifications straight into your mobile device or wherever you're listening to us. And again, it'll help boost our stats and get us out to more magicians and entertainers across the world, which is exactly what we want. Anyway, I'm going to leave you to go back to the podcast now, but make sure you subscribe. So does this not all boil down to just being human, being nice and sharing that humanity and, and wanting to care? It's what we're striving for, but it'd be great if there was maybe some tools that we could use that would make the process a little easier. I mean, you know, we need a blueprint to be human because what is being human anyways, right? Um, what I what I what I could do is just share you some of these ideas that I tell people because once I walk through these three emotions, people are like, "Well, we're screwed." You know, I need to be that non-caring a-hole again so that I can make sales, make money, and survive because now I need to be the one to pay the mortgage, right? Um, but what I tell people is like, yes, you're right, Ashley, is at the end of the day, we want to be more human. We want to care more. Like caring is the way to sell better. And I say selling with love is the answer. Like that's really how you do it. And when I asked the, the, the people like, what is the definition of selling with love? Well, when I said that selling is about an energy exchange between conscious beings, selling with love is when you know what you offer is so much more than what you ask in return. What balances the equation is the emotion of love, both on the buyer and the seller side. So everybody wins. And, you know, I've hinted to some of the ideas around the selling with love concept. I'll list them out so people know, and then we can go into the ones you find are more interesting. But I say the first love you fall in love with is loving the impact. The second love you want to fall is loving the buyer. The third love is loving the product. The fourth love is loving the process. Now, this one's tricky because a lot of people fall in love with the process first, and that's when you get in trouble. And number five is love yourself. And that's the one that's at the foundation of everything we do. It's the point of our existence is this journey of rediscovering the self, love, realizing we're enough, regardless of what we do, hence being a bit more human. But in, if you look at these and you walk through them, you can start having a better foundation so that every time you approach any person, whether it's a sales interaction, doing magic, you understand that you have the intentions in the right place. And then you can come with a bit of a bounce and a skip and enthusiasm that really makes a difference when you're a salesperson. What I particularly love is that these these five areas they're all stacked, both outside and inside, which is really interesting. But I, I do really want to just touch on the uh, the impact. Actually, loving the impact because in magic this is a, a really interesting one because we we strive well we tend to strive for the short term. Oh my gosh, that was amazing! And then move on to the next gig or the next group or, or whatever it is. But I know there's something me and Ashley have spoken quite a lot about is is going beyond the magic and trying to do something with it. So for a, 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 bit of, a bit of background and for any book, new listeners at this point, we're to the successful mentalist. We're trying to improve the quality of life for all magicians across the globe through our mindset, business performance, and soon to be branching into the world of biohacking. 
that's what our, our impact is because we know that that in return is going to come back around and help us because again if we help magicians and improve their life magic then becomes better which then means in turn our audiences will come and love us which then means more gigs all around and actually i love that you've actually walked you you've done most of the framework on the impact stuff that I talk about, but on the personal level and on the selfish level, and, and I'm saying selfish as a beautiful word here. I think self-serving and taking care of the self is very important, but you already know, like for every transaction with a buyer that you have, you, you, you know, the impact they learn to be better magicians and then they get improved their magic, magic skills, which makes them be, uh, you know, entertaining more people with their magic. Like already, this is great. You're helping that one person and there's a ripple effect. And you know, for your business, it's going to attract more business for you. It's going to keep growing for your own magic. And this is great. And then for you personally, then you have to have a successful business streams of income. You get to help some people and that feels good. That's all on the first tiers that are all towards you, right? Um, what I suggest to people to even go further, which I know you've done already, but to be even more concrete is you've done the work on the impact to the buyer, to your company, your community, and to yourself, but go the other way around and understanding. So that magician who goes through your training, What's the impact that they're doing to their business and their community once they've done that? They're able to attract more clients. They're having a better mental state. They're more effective in learning new techniques, which allows them to be able to create more magic around the world. And then the ultimate one, which I'm sure all magicians are probably somewhere in the similarity of what I'm going to state here, and you, you gentlemen can add to it, but the world impact, which is as magic exists in the world, why should anybody care? Why do magic if it's such a moment, a fleeting moment of enlightenment through deception? Like people could break it down and be like, oh, magic's not even a good thing. But is that how you perceive it? I'd be curious before I use my sales lingo uh, to kind of dish it out, but I'd be curious to know what is the impact to the world of magic being a thing? And is it good? 100%. It's escapism at the end of the day. When you boil it down to the essence of what it is, at the end of the day, we're just providing entertainment no different to theater no different to tv except it is different it's a bit more personal but at the end of the day it is just that escapism for that moment no matter the stress or the scroll that someone might be going through you've got an ability to cheer them up for a brief moment or cheer them up for a little while further down the line and and that in essence is the big impact we can have i know I know so many people that do TV shows and watch those TV shows, watch and go, oh my gosh, that really inspired me. Oh, that really cheered me up today. Just from a simple show with someone at the essence of it, just doing some stuff with a pack of playing cards and folded paper. You know, I, and this is perfect. This is exactly it. And for those who are directly magicians, because it sounds like you, you both are educating magicians. So the buyer was different, but the buyer for a direct magician is exactly what you stated. They're able to create that moment for the buyer. And, you know, the story could go even deeper. Like to me is like in a world where news is constantly bombarding us with negativity. Some people just need a break. Some people just need a smile on their face because one smile on somebody's face can be contagious. And one person's smile can make other people smile. And when you realize that your moods can be lifted through one simple magic trick, it motivates me to approach as many people as possible because I don't know if there's that one person that I will walk up to who's having the worst day of their life, which will not be the case because they were able to encounter me and I was able to change that. And this is a powerful motivator for me to go out and do everything that I do. On a buyer level, imagine having that on your website. Imagine being something that you describe to people saying, this is why I do magic. And this is where the marketing and the sales and the copy and the script are all based out of this impact. This is the why. This is Simon Sinek. So start with why. And even as you go to the world level, the way I would interpret magic, because I love magic as well, is simply that the world itself, if you see more positivity in the world, you see more positive things in the world. Magicians are agents of positivity and they get people to wonder. They get people to be curious. They get people to range, to feel ranges of emotions and excitement, which is all what life is about. And so if we can create that in a safe environment and it makes the world a better place, well, be it that there must be magic in the world because a world without magic is not a world worth living. Like, drop that. that it literally <laughs> is a mic drop and a half. I, I think right? you've blown the minds of everyone. You blew them at the start with just like the amazing, like you need to be doing this because of this. And everyone just went, oh my gosh, I sales. Yes, it is important. Now you've gone, wow. And everyone sat there. 
I'm an agent of positive. You know what's going to happen, Jason? Everyone on their websites now is, my name is so-and-so and I'm an agent of positivity. Everyone's going to have it now, thanks to you. Do it. Do it. There's no copyright on that. Let's make it good. I mean, I... gentlemen, it's by no accident that I am here. It's late at night in Bali, Indonesia, which I'm so grateful to be here by, during the pandemic. So I'm just saying I'm grateful. I'm appreciative. Thank the, the, the blessings and the events that made me come here. That being said, here I am. I'm on a call with everyone here. Why is this so important for me to show up? Well, I'm writing a book on sales. I want to make book sales. I want to push the message forward about selling with love. But to me, it's all about caring. Businesses need to care more. When businesses care more, they start making an impact in the world because individuals can move the needle, but businesses can move mountains. And big, powerful companies, if they start caring more, they can make the impact in the world. And what's most easy and simple that actually is necessary in every single business that can have a direct impact on the amount of care is showing them how to care more about their selling. And if you can sell with love, you have better companies doing better transactions that make the world a better place. Because here's the thing, when you sell with love, as I mentioned, the, the balance, when you know what you offer is so much more than what you're asking in return, love is felt on both sides. You're creating like renewable energy around the world and you start having like the shitty companies can't have a place to live if the good companies learn how to sell better. And this is why I like to show up because if there's one person listening that I was able to impact into doing a business that's doing good in the world is not afraid to sell it, let's do this. That's why I show up. And as a magician, I know there's the reasons you show up and hopefully some of the words we shared here resonated with you. And um, that's really why I'm, I'm hoping to share this message. I do want to ask you a question on, on something that you've mentioned because obviously you've, you've transformed the way that people have now viewed their careers as well as sales but people thinking okay helping people giving and generosity yeah that that's me it resonates with me and i i know a, a handful of entertainers who are so focused on the giving and, and the person and actually caring and helping them out and it's fantastic and it pays off but but in turn they get trapped in that mindset and thinking oh i want to help people therefore I don't want to raise my fees. I want to lower them because I want to help more people. And I want, I want my stuff to be out there to more people. What, what would you say to people like that? I feel like you read my book and you know exactly what the next point is. <laughs> but Ashley, this is such a common thing. And yes, the first reaction when we, you know, we want to actually make a deal go through, our first reaction might be contraction. And contraction will be, oh, maybe if I lower the price, um, this person will be more likely to do business with me. We skip love the, we skip love the buyer. Let's go straight to love the product because that's really what we're talking about is you want to sell your services. You want to charge people for what you're doing. You want to be generous with your magic. Um, and let's say we'll call it a hundred dollars. Okay. I, I don't know what we're selling, but let's make it that we're selling something for a hundred dollars. And most people will be like, Oh, in the moment of sale, oftentimes, you know, I'll discount it to 50 just because I really want to be able to give. And I want that sale to happen. Wrong answer. I want you to run through a mental exercise as you listen to this. Whatever is the price point of what you are selling. I said $100 here as an example, but what is it that you are selling? I want you to close your eyes. I want you to think of what that thing you sell and what price point that is. You know what you offer. You know the price of it. And now I want you to think about what would happen if that price was 10 times more. Add a zero. It's not a big thing. It's just a zero. Open your eyes and think. Now your price is $1,000. I don't know what the price point of what you were offering before was, but whatever it is, it's 10 times more expensive now. Here's an example. I'm going to walk you through what I would assume might be something for $100 for a magician. Let's say you actually have a 20-minute session of magic with somebody for $100, okay? Maybe an hour. Call it an hour. Okay, an hour, 100 bucks. Group magic, 100 bucks is very personal. Great. Now it's $1,000. When you do this, you're not in contraction, you're in creation, you're in abundance, okay? And this is an energy of love as well. So now you're thinking, okay, I need to sell this for $1,000. What does that look like? What would I change? What do I need to include? I have a thousand bucks now to make that sale. All right, well, I'm starting thinking, how would I sell this for $1,000? Well, first thing I would say is, well, for $1,000, maybe I need to make it an experience. Maybe I sell it to only five people and there's a fine dinner that's served over magic. It's a dinner and magic experience with the finest wine, the best chefs, the chefs come to your table, they serve you, they explain you the meal. And as I do magic, you have an evening of entertainment and it's the best experience you've ever had in your life. What do I include? Someone walks in, there's a valet, they take care of, they walk you to your door. It's the most amazing. This is the type of event people would come to and can propose to their partner. You, you Like, I don't know. I'm just thinking, but this is way different than just saying, well, maybe I should lower my price. You're stepping into creativity now. 
And here's something that happens when you decide to do this mental exercise, which is very simple. It's very simple because now you're like, okay, now it's 10 times more. What do I need to figure out? Maybe, maybe the difference is, well, if I sell it for a thousand dollars, maybe they get to come to every magic show for the entire year, something like that. But you're opening yourself to all these different possibilities. And then when you put this all down on paper, a couple of things might happen. Number one is you might be like, hey, I think some people could buy this for 10 times more and I could sell that. Interesting. You might look at your original offer and be like, hey, I could include some of these elements and it wouldn't even cost me that much and I could still include it and that would make the experience so much better. And, and probably more likely than that is you'll be like, oh, now that I've included these little things, I don't need to sell it for $100. I could probably sell it for $150 and I'd be the premium offer in the marketplace. If you're confident about the value, people never people never argue about price. They always argue about value. And if they're wanting a discount is because they're not convinced on the value. How do you get the value up? There's two values you need to look at, the real value and the perceived value. They're very different. They're very different. The real value is only known after they experience it. The perceived value is all known through the marketing and sales material. Now, the real value, you'll never know fully, but you can take some good guesses. And the more practice you have and the more you know your customer and your buyer, the better you are at understanding what will be the true value or the real value. And you'll want that real value to be slightly higher than the perceived value. Perceived value is the easiest thing in the world to modify. If I told you, well, for $1,000, you come sit in this chair, watch my magic, and by the time you're done, I'll give you $10,000 and you can trust me. Here's the check. It's $10,000. You can deposit it now but you're going to wait till the show. It costs a thousand dollars. People are like, okay, yeah, I make 10 grand for a thousand. That, that easy, but that's a lie. That's lying. And that's unethical, but that's how the power of sales and marketing can do is you can say a lot of lies and that doesn't make you a good person. So you want to make your perceived value to be as high as possible, but under the real value so that people actually want to transact with you. If people aren't buying it's because the perceived value isn't as high as what they expect. Now, that's either because the real value isn't that high for them or because you haven't done the sales and marketing that is necessary for them to understand the value that you give them. Is this making sense? Complete sense. So it's all about okay. actually, uh, again, looking bigger rather than like a, a everyone's focusing on what we have now, but rather looking in that mindset of, of possibilities, what else is there that, that could make everything better and then going for those expectations. Yeah, just just change it. And like, it's usually going to be a change of quantity, quality, but there you start brainstorming more effectively. And then, you know, you're going to realize, do I need to actually change the product or do I need to change the marketing and the sales of the product? Um, but that'll come out because you'll get a ton of ideas once you do that mental exercise with the product. But, you know, another thing I want to leave when it comes to doing this is don't fake it, make it. You know how they say fake it till you make it? No, just make it. So whatever it is you feel that needs to be in place, make it. Like go out, put an effort. And guess what? People are very forgiving. Like you think people leave a lot of negative reviews, but when they see your intentions as to why, again, you start with the impact, right? You can make mistakes. It's okay. You're going to fix it. I'm sure if you have somebody coming in for $1,000 for that dinner experience and they get a rotten, you know, rotten food and your magic sucked, you would give them a refund. You're a good person and you're not trying to take advantage of anybody. You're doing your best. And so go out there and be bold in your request. That's amazing. Cause I know that there's been times uh, with us, uh, uh, the successful mentalist that we've tried a new idea and we've, we've put something out there in it and it has been met with that uh, confusion or whatever it was, it's not been met in the way that we thought, but because people understood that, that reasoning and, and the behind the scenes kind of thing, it, it wasn't a, a disaster. It wasn't even a, a problem in that sense. People just, accepted it and then helped it, it turned into them appreciating us and then we was able to deliver better value so 100 percent. and so you know you, you miss 100 percent of the shots you don't take right so in selling when you have the right intentions you can go out and make some requests um and it, it's funny i mentioned earlier how i called this person 27 times right um, this was as I was calling them to, for them to get a home evaluation. They were always busy. They weren't answering. I left voice message. They told me to call back in six months. I'd call them in three because the process told me I should call back in half the time that they tell me everything was scripted and I was persistent. And then finally she let an agent go do it. When the agent got to her house, she decided to sign with them. And she asked, why did you sign with us? She's like, well, if you have somebody like that kid that called me 27 times just to get an appointment with me, I know you'll be putting the right effort to sell my home. So, you know, if you're very confident, in the product and the value that you bring. Um, and you've done the work around the impact so that you're clear about why you're doing it, then you can be relentless. That's when you can step into that fourth love of selling the process. And you can learn those techniques. You can be there. And people are like, well, I don't like to close aggressively. Really, really. <laughs> 
Don't choose comfort over conversion when you're convinced of the impact that you make. Because guess what? Now you're holding yourself short. You're holding the world back. And if you had a magic, let's say you had this, uh, let's call it a no side effects, nothing wrong, perfect, 100% effective COVID flu that you wanted to sell to your vaccine denier friend, you wouldn't be persistent and you would be pushy. Uh, and I know that's a controversial one to bring up, but fun to bring up. But that's the thing, like when you're so convinced, you know, and you will be relentless, you will be annoying. There's a story, I think Eric Edmeads actually shared me this story where he had friends that were super religious. And every time they would see him, they would try to convert him into becoming more religious. And he'd be like, guys, you need to stop. And they said, listen, we feel like your soul is going to hell if you're not doing this. So of course, I'm always going to reach out to you and bring you into this religion. And so you understand when the why is strong, you can be persistent. Now, whether you're into religion or not, that's up to you. But I would say that if you're out there and putting yourself out there, learning the process is the most empathetic thing you can do because the process of selling is literally learning the language that is necessary for people to understand the value you want to bring to them. So true. And so often, especially with magicians, which is I'm so glad you've brought that up with magicians, that follow-up. I know there's people out there who know the value of the product they're selling. They know the service is going to be a game changer for people. And they know that they are going to be so much better than the other person that they're considering going to book because they go, oh, my God, that person's going to ruin the event. <laughs> this is why I need to do it. But there's so many magicians that just think, oh, well, the person's not got back to me. Therefore, they don't want me. So that that is so important to follow up, isn't it? And let me... Let me throw some, um, some understanding for the magicians. You're magicians, right? And so I have to say, it's not your fault. Like you weren't trained to be a hardcore salesperson. Now, here's the sad fact. Most salespeople aren't good at following up. That's their job. And they're not good at following up. Yet most sales transaction happens with at least four follow-ups. And most transactions that happen online require seven touch points before the conversion happens. And so you're like, I called once. They didn't, they said, no, they said, I'd they, no, they, they will say, oh, I'll get back to you. No, 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 no. You always get back to them. You follow up once, twice, three times, four times. There's like the, if you're following up four times, you're just hitting the minimum required to do more than the average salesperson. As a magician, you'll see that you're far more effective. And you can always have these templates. You can have these emails you can send out. But really, like the message is just saying, hey, I wouldn't want you to miss this. I know we talked about having me come to do your show. I've had nobody, nothing but amazing people that are so satisfied for bringing it on, which is why I want to make sure that if you're doing this, you're going to do it with the best. I'm here, you know? Let's get back on the phone. I'd love to work with you. I have this new idea. I'm running, you know, like whatever is the angle that you need to bring in to make that follow-up happen. You could even say like, hey, I noticed the calendar. It's Friday and your events next week haven't heard back, but I'd love to lock you in. Can we have that conversation and make it happen? It doesn't matter what the reason for following up is. Matter of fact, if you just listen to this podcast, here would be my my number one request for anybody who's tuning in and maybe you took notes, maybe you're just at the gym, you're listening to this. Here's what I would want to kind of trigger into you an action for today is whoever you have in that list of people that's supposed to follow up with, follow up with all of them now and just say, Hey, I thought of you wanted to follow up. Here's why. No reason except the fact that you just listened to this right now, do all your follow-ups and you'll see what happens. And as well, people are grateful when you do it. I can think of an actual example that happened, I think, three or four days ago, Jason. And we every month we run a lecture series called All About the Tricks. And we have magicians come into it and it's really great value for money. And we're teaching stuff which, as we've said, as we've been saying throughout, the stuff we're teaching changes the way people think, changes their lives. So that's what we're going for. So we know the values there in our product. And on top of that, it was also like 60, 70% off. So like it was even cheaper. Anyway, the person messaged me to cut a long story short, the person messaged me and they went, I'm really interested. Tell me the details. Oh, brilliant. I want to get in. Then they didn't reply. They didn't book. So I followed up once. They didn't reply. Didn't book. I followed up again. They didn't reply. Didn't book. And I followed it up again. I was like, I really don't want you missing out on this discount because I know you're interested. And you know what happened? They didn't come back to me and say, why are you following up with me? I don't want all of this. I went, oh my gosh, thank you so much for messaging me. I nearly forgot to book. I nearly forgot to book. You've saved me money. 
hundred percent, Ashley, this is it. This is the point. We think you think these people are constantly thinking about you. No, they're busy. They have so many other things they think about. It's your job to put yourself back in front of them. The squeaky wheel gets the grease has some merit here, especially in sales. And a problem that isn't brought forward isn't being solved. And so in your case, by doing that follow-up, look at you, and you came with the right intentions. You knew the value. You wanted to save them money. So you went out and you made that follow-up happen. I congratulate you. I tip my hat. And this is an example, again, of what happens when you do follow up aggressively. This is what can happen. Like, Okay, you might have someone say, "Hey, I've said, uh, you know, I if they don't reply, keep following up. That's number one. If they do reply, they might and they, make them be honest. Get them to say, like, don't let them sit on a fence. You know, the a maybe doesn't bring you anywhere. A no at least tells you that you can move on, but a yes is business. <laughs> I love that. I love that. And I just want to to run back back over those five key elements just uh, to really drill that in with everybody. So we've got loving the the impact. That's right. Then the client. Yeah, buyer, buyer client. The then the product. Process. The product. Process. And the self. And the self. You got so, it. In that order. I do it in that order is what I prefer. I know it's very interesting. I've been doing some interesting podcasts today. I was one for a men's dating advice podcast. So that was where I tailored the product here for more of that audience. And here with magicians, again, it's not my typical audience, but I love being able to share this message. Um, when I talk for men wanting to date women, it was very interesting. I put the self-love first because, you know, the, the self-love is kind of the punchline because when I talk to salespeople and, you know, if I lead with self-love, they'll be, they'll check out. They don't want to, they don't care. But then at the end of the presentation, I'm like, oh, yeah, it's all self-love. And so if you, whether you want to put that one first or last, I put it last usually because it's a bit of a punchline to make you realize, I like, guess what, you're out there, you're going to do your best and that's okay. Um, but I love doing it in that order because first you get clear on the impact. On the buyer side, you, you speak about it a bit in the impact, but the clear thing about the buyer, which we didn't really talk about here, but I think is very powerful for this audience is actually the way to love the buyer is to have understanding of who they are and what they want. And so this is where your market research is. So uh, depending if you're looking to do events, like let's say your ideal buyers, I do birthdays or I do weddings or I do, you know, a concert, like, I don't know what the type of typical venue, but you want to pick what is the, the target you want to go for and understand their needs and wants. Like um, is, is a wedding a fair type yeah. of gig? Like, is, is that a common one? Okay. So, I mean, if you get clear on your buyer and let's say it's weddings is your primary target market. It's like, okay. Who's a decision maker? What are their wants and needs? Why do they choose to have a magician? What does a wedding look like without a magician? What would be disappointing for them if they wanted a magician, they did not get one? What would be magical if they do get one and you are the one? Like what is gonna be different in their wedding? What's gonna be magical? And then you start understanding what's important to them. Now, instinctively, I would start thinking that, you know, primary decision maker is probably gonna be the woman. They probably wanna have a magician that comes and makes a delight for the guests, but they don't want it to be cheesy. They don't want it to be embarrassing. They want it to be something that brings it class and makes it entertaining and everyone is like wow that was a unique memorable wedding what they want is a unique memorable wedding and now you can start understanding that hey when i do my marketing material how do i put these words in am i imagine if you're you're trying to sell to weddings and it's like extreme magic never before seen you won't believe it we're gonna have people that are gonna think they're getting their arms cut off and this is gonna be incredible and you're like hold up a minute. Is that what I want for my wedding? No. Then you can start adapting your copy saying instead, like make your wedding the most magical, memorable moment of your life. And now you start saying like, okay, I'm going to speak to their language. So understanding is really key. Another exercise I love giving for people is if you're still trying to figure out your client, or you're still having struggles with the clients you're selling to run the fun fantasy exercise, which is like, again, you can close your eyes and just imagine what is the best client that could ever walk through the door. And I'll use me for an example, because I do a lot of sales consulting with companies. And to me, a company making a few million a year, because they have an amazing product that really shifts the needle on doing good in the world. They've done this, they've served their existing clients, most of their marketing is through word of mouth, they know nothing about accelerated sales or marketing online. And when they come across me, they're so excited to pay me very generously. Because when I come in, I show them techniques they've never heard about, they're able to put a budget behind it and implement everything I suggest and the results for it are amazing. They continue to work with me for years to come and they are a new business leader in their field because they took the values and the ideas that I implement and they're so happy with me and they keep paying me a lot of money to do it. That's my ideal market. And when I fantasize about that, now I can start going, where are these people? 
where can I find them? And now I just have to identify the traffic. So good. That's so good. I love that it's, it's painting the picture, but from a different perspective, the most important perspective, because there's so, so much, I mean, I'm guilty of it. I, I used to do it all the time. I used to think about uh, when it came down to weddings, as an example, I always used to think about what I'd like the wedding to be. And then the, hearing you talk about this, it's like the penny drop moment of, well, I, it, it, I couldn't care less what I want the wedding to be like. It's, it's not my wedding. It's not my responsibility to be there in that sense for that picture. It's, it's their picture. It's putting it in their perspective and seeing what they want to match those needs then. Hundred percent. Oh, I love that. I just want to say a massive thank you as well, Jason, for being here and sharing all of this wealth of information. It really has been fantastic to have you on the podcast. And just to quickly finish, I just want to say one thing. Um, if someone has listened to this now and they're thinking, okay, there's a there's a lot I need to know. Is there a one specific area where someone should focus? Oh, that's a great question, and. The only thing I would say is to go out and do repetition. Like if, if you don't know where to start, you know, as many textbooks, podcasts, as you listen to, nothing makes you learn like doing it. So I would go for repetition at this point. You, you can do this exercise where you go through the impact and you've probably started imagining a lot of these ideas based on what you listened to so far. But what I would want to make sure you do is take action and just go and repeat the process. So, you know, when you go and you, you go do some follow-ups, go do some things, and then just pay attention to what's responding, what's not. And you can always go back to this episode. And I actually have a cheat sheet where people can just ask themselves questions on each of these loves so they can just like kind of check out. And I'd love to hear from a few magicians on my social media. So I would just say, send me a direct message on either Instagram or on LinkedIn. And I'll send you this cheat sheet that you can actually just check off the boxes, answer these questions. And then you'll be like, okay, I got my love down. Now I can hit the ground, and start making those sales. Very quickly. What is that Instagram? Oh yeah. So just find me at Jason Mark Campbell. So that's J-A-S-O-N-M-A-R-C-C-A-M-P-B-E-L-L. So Jason Campbell, Jason Mark Campbell, uh, send me a direct message and I'll send you the goods. Love that. Love that. We'll be, we'd be doing the same thing that all podcasters do and putting the links in the, uh, in the description below. But I do just want to say a massive thank you for, for sharing this wealth of information genuinely i know we keep saying it on the platform but these episodes are just getting stronger and stronger and stronger the more we go through and i know there's a lot of value personally and professionally across the board here as well so jason huge thanks for coming on the podcast and sharing this with us it was my pleasure and thank you everybody for listening i hope this was useful you know i've learned so many things from this episode and actually having a chat with Jason, which has changed the way I think about sales specifically. As you know, Aiden, and a few people listening to this podcast, I love sales. I'm so passionate about it because of quite a few points that Jason outlined in this episode. But Jason, wow, he went beyond. And I've come away from this going into the episode thinking, yeah, I know a load of stuff. And really, I've come out of it like, wow, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh, my mind has been opened. It has been broadened. And I feel like I can serve people better. And I now have the toolkit in place to allow me to do that. Absolutely fantastic. So, you know, what I particularly loved is the fact that both of us, Ashley, uh, like we came into this and, and perhaps the audience at large, we came into this thinking we knew a little bit about sales. And we came into this episode thinking of something, perhaps even the sleazy car salesman kind of approach in terms of knowing what we thought sales was, but actually, Jason, mapping it out on those five dimensions, the impact, the buyer, the product, the process, yourself, loving yourself, genuinely opened my eyes to actually realize that sales happens on so many levels that if we can line all of those up, we're then able to absolutely crush the product that we're offering. Which brings me on to asking a question for all of you listeners. As you know, and you found out in this episode, we're here to try and serve you in the best way that we can to help improve the quality of your life as a magician through our business mindset performance and soon to be biohacking on the platform as well. So if there is anything that we can actually offer you to help you with this process, let us know. But more importantly, 
if you're enjoying this podcast, we've been really trying to get some of the best people actually on board with us and we're getting more and more people as is. So if you do want to just support us and let us know what you think, please, please, please do give us a rating and a review on this episode. You can simply scroll down if you're on the Apple podcasts or on your preferred podcast provider, just find out where you can leave that, that rating and review. That would genuinely mean a lot to us so that we actually know that we're serving you the right way. But with that said, thank you so much for tuning into this incredible episode of the Successful Mentalist podcast. And we'll see you again next week for another awesome episode. Catch you then. Hey, it's Aiden here. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, it would really mean the world to us if you just took a moment to leave a rating and a review on your preferred podcast player. That way it just helps us grow the show and get it into the ears of more listeners across the world in a non-creepy way. Also, when you're ready to roll, here are three ways that we can help you right now. Number one is to join our free Facebook group. It's called the Magician's Business Group, and we're creating the most valuable space on the internet for entertainers that are looking to grow and improve their business. We'd love you to join us inside, so to do that, just head over to thesuccessfulmentalist.com forward slash group, and the magic of the internet will take you straight there, or just pull open Facebook and search for the Magician's Business Group. Number two is to take our new quiz. It'll help you find the biggest opportunity in your entertainment business right now. And in just a few quick questions, you'll be presented with a seven minute breakdown of your biggest opportunity and how you can actually go about tackling that to help increase your entertainment business and boost it completely. In order to take the quiz, just head over to thesuccessfulmentalist.com forward slash quiz. That's thesuccessfulmentalist.com forward slash quiz. And we'll be able to get you your results. Number three, momentum. If you'd like to make an extra two grand a month in magic without paying a penny for advertising, we'd love to help you. Our latest coaching program, Momentum, is designed to get you booking gigs every single week for at least £500 so that you can be growing your entertainment business without having to worry about websites or business cards or advertising or any of that kind of stuff. To find out more, just head over to thesuccessfulmentalist.com forward slash momentum. That's thesuccessfulmentalist.com forward slash momentum, and we'll send you all of the details.